0: This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Last week we talked about Joseph and we talked about uh, the story of redemption being revealed and, and how God had a covenant with Abraham. He wanted to keep that covenant. And he had to uh, save His family, and what did he do? He sent Joseph to Egypt to rescue those that actually did wrong and evil against him. And to save, because God promised, I will make of you a a new nation, a mighty nation. You will be blessed and you will be a blessing to all the people on the earth. And then Egypt was sustained or they were fed or they would have died if it was not for God and his intervention through Joseph to feed them. So you can go back and, and, and listen uh, to that. Uh, it, it's quite a story. The story of Joseph, I think, is one of those that we can all um, gain from, all the stories you can. But you remember at the end, Joseph said, there's coming an end to this that we're going to leave Egypt because God promised Abraham this land, the promised land, and we'll go back to it. And it was to be, it was, the prophecy was 430 years. And actually, when you go back and study it, to today, that's when they left. And we're going to talk about them being released and leaving uh, Egypt today. But he said, take my bones And said, I want my bones to be in the promised land, the land of covenant. And that's where we take up today with the the story. And this, how many read there uh, chapter 4? That's most of us. That's good. So in chapter 4, we see that, let me tell you a little bit what's going on. There's some new pharaohs that go through the passing of time. Uh, And they forget about Joseph. They forget about how uh, a Hebrew saved them. And they see this population of Jews or Hebrews that are just flourishing. They're multiplying. They're, They're everywhere. And the Pharaoh gets... Afraid and upset, he's threatened by them and says, you know, they could overtake us. So he said, we're going to get some, some rules and some policies for them. We're going to make them work. We're going to get these hard taskmasters over them. And they, had to, they, they worked and worked. And said the harder they worked, the more they increased and multiplied. God's favor and blessing was upon the Hebrews, the, the, the Israelites, Israel. And so Pharaoh, he's just, everything he can do, he needs to stop the Hebrews. So he comes up with this plan. And this is early in the life of Moses, who would be the one God would use to bring the flow deliverance or release them through out of Egypt, Moses has to be hidden away because Pharaoh said, kill every baby boy that's birthed. And when you read it, even the the maidservants, those that help with the the birthing, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't kill the, the baby boys. And Pharaoh said, why? And and they would say, because they're just so healthy. When we get there, they've already had the baby. And said, God looked down and blessed them and gave them houses and and increased their lives. Because He would not kill those baby boys. Now, let me tell you the story behind the story. The enemy is at work here and he's trying to stop a... Messiah, one that would be raised up to bruise his head. That's the one behind Pharaoh. Satan has a, is attempting to stop the Messiah from being raised up in this, this nation. Because he's, he knows a little bit, he knows enough to know there's one coming that's going to bruise his head. So we see Moses he's the, what are they going to do they decide to hide him as, his mom uh, puts him in a basket in the Nile River but they they had a strategy they knew that Pharaoh's daughter would come there and bathe and that's something that um, royalty especially would do because the, the Nile River was sacred to them in fact it was the mother God was the Nile River so They put Moses, they put him in amongst the the reeds. And they had uh, Moses' sister watching. And when Pharaoh's daughter gets the baby, Marion, who is uh, Moses' older sister, yells and says, Hey, do you want me to find a Hebrew that will nurse the baby for you? And she says, Yes. So Moses' mom, with wages, gets to nurse and bring up Moses. Isn't that pretty neat? God worked this out and, and put them together. And then he reaches, he, he grows up, he reaches the age of, of 40 years, and he's, he's going along, and he sees an Egyptian that kills one of the Hebrews. And he looks around, makes sure no one's looking, and he kills the Egyptian. Now he had a right to do this. Um, and you can read back in Genesis, in his heart, he was uh, shedding uh, blood because that there had not been innocence here. And anyway, I'm not going back into that. He felt like he had a right to do this. Well, the next day he's out looking around... And two Hebrews are fighting, and he, he tries to break it up. And they said, what are you doing? Are you going to kill us too like you killed the Egyptian? He goes, oh, no. This thing is known. I thought it was secret. And he, he says, I've got to flee. So he flees the area, flees the scene. And he goes to a land. And, and we, we take up uh, Exodus 3. He actually goes east to the desert, land of Midian. Now, interesting, interesting. Midian was the fourth son of Abraham. So he sits down at this well, and this well is Jethro's well, who was the priest of Midian. So he was a godly man. And anyway, he, he has some daughters, and he marries one of the daughters. He's content with life. And we take up Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. He married one of the daughters. The priest of Midian. Midian, And he led the flock to the far side of the desert. desert, And came to Hebron. Or Hol- Did I say that right? Hebron. Hebron the, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire. From within the bush, Moses saw that through the bush, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. One thing I think is very interesting here, you notice he was on the far side of the desert. You ever felt like you are on the far side of the desert? Nobody knows you're there or who you are or whatever, but God knows. God can find you anywhere. <laughs> he can get to you, I should say, anywhere that you are and speak to you. So Moses is told that he's going to be sent to Pharaoh. He's going to Uh, Go to Pharaoh and and tell him, let my people go. God wants his family released from this bondage. That the cry of the Israelites has, has come to him. And the Bible says that God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God is a covenant God. And he was going to keep his covenant and make sure that everything was fulfilled. But Moses goes through excuses. When you read this, it, you know, every excuse that you can think of. He said, Who am I to do this? And God said, I'll be with you. And it's like he just disregards that, you know. <laughs> if God tells you he will be with you, how I many know you, you got it made? But he disregards that. And what God is saying here, God is saying is not who you are, but who I am. And that's something we need to remember. It's not who we are. We look at ourselves so many times and our, our weaknesses, our deficiencies, but it's really about who he is because he's with us and in us. So Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am means a self-existent one. Or the eternal one without beginning, without end. So God introduces himself and he says, I am the I am. And that when you really grasp hold of that, that God has no beginning That he's always been. That's what he's saying. I've always been. And what does Moses say next? He goes, yeah, you've been around a long time, but I don't speak very well. And then God says, I'll be with your mouth. (laughs) How many would like to have God be with your mouth? Oh. And that's what God tells him. And he, he keeps on, and the scripture says that God actually starts getting angry with him. God of creation, the self existent, the eternal one, who's always been and always will be, is saying, I'll be with you, I'll be with your mouth. He said, finally, God says, Your brother Aaron, he speaks well, get Aaron. So he gets Aaron to speak for him. How many times do we make excuses? I remember God calling me to to preach, and I don't speak well in front of crowds, God. I didn't do book reports in school. The teachers felt sorry for me because I'd get up and shake, and it was just a mess that they would let me read a book and do an extra book report. I was finding some favor there. (laughs) But something stirred on the inside of me that overrode all that. And God had me start speaking. Why? Because He's with us. He's in us. Whatever God's called you to do, don't look at yourself. Look at your God. And when you look at him, all things are possible. There's no limits, whatever God's calling you to do. So Moses goes through, through this thing, and Aaron starts speaking for him. And then we have the ten plagues. Every one of these were something to do with what they worshipped. I talked about the Nile River that I believe was the mother uh, of, their, of their gods And what did he do He defiled it with blood It turned to blood All the water turned to blood uh, The serpent Which was the symbol of their gods you Remember when the, uh, the, the rod turned to a serpent And their magicians And their um, Occultists Did these, these things What happened the rod of God, God's rod ate their serpent. Ate their God, So what happened. <laughs> God ate their God. Devoured it. He touched the mama with blood, and then he devoured the serpent. Frogs were also worshipped big time. So what happened? They got their, their God. Frogs everywhere. It said frogs got in, even into the oven, into their food that they were cooking. Frogs were everywhere. They could not get away from frogs. Now, it's, it's, it's funny to me, the way my mind works. I'm, I'm thinking, here you got the, the magicians, the, uh, the sorcerers of Egypt are matching what Moses does. And to this point, they match the frogs. You know, they, they made frogs come out of the Nile River too? The sorcerers, they matched it. But how crazy is it? They couldn't stop the frogs. They just brought more frogs on the place that was already covered with Frogs. I'm talking about when you went to bed tonight, it wasn't a water bed. It was a frog bed. (laughs) Everywhere. (laughs) Baked frogs. The dust turned to lice. You know, dirt in the flower pot turned to lice. All these plagues were going on. I added this, this verse this morning. Um just because I think it's interesting because this is kind of mentioned in the New Testament. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Having the form of godliness, but denying the power, and from such people turn away. These are people that know the power exists. They know it's real, but they oppose it. And that's what these sorcerers and these um, magicians of, of, of Egypt did. Uh, verse 6, For of this sort, those who creep into households and it's talking about the occult and the uh, sorcery and the new age and all this creeps into a home. It's kind of disguised to creep in the homes. And by the way, that these verses are talking about the last of the last days. Talking about the last day church here is what we're talking about in second Timothy chapter three. So this gives us a, a, a picture of our, the day that we live in for of this sort, of those who creep in the households and make captives of gullible women, loaded with sins, led away with various lusts. Sounds like, uh, you know, it's an attack against women, but there's a lot of gullible men. I mean, that's, uh, but it, it's talking about trying to get in the household, always learning, never coming able to come to the knowledge of the truth now as janies and jamberies resisted moses so do these also resist the truth so he's saying in the last day these two Janes and jamberies which are not mentioned by name in the old testament but when you look at old Uh, Jewish writings, they're mentioned as the two chief sorcerers that opposed Moses and were trying to match everything that he did. So most commentaries will agree that these are the names of the two magicians, sorcerers, occultists that came against and opposed Moses. And when it says, in the last days, it's saying that we will be faced with the same thing. There will be New Age healing, the cult. There will be different forms, different means. But they can't match the power of God. Because the power of God far supersedes anything that they can do. But it tells us there will be a confrontation in these last days... Of power, The power of God against the enemy. So now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. And, and the word... Uh, Where it says, so do these also resist, means in identically the same way with the same methods. So the last great day church will will be faced with occultism, new ageism, enchantments, uh, dark powers of, of darkness, but they can't match. They can just go so far, they can't match. The power of God. I don't know if you're aware. There's a cultism that, that will bring healing. But it's coming from the wrong source. They can just take you so far. So the foundation of God's word in our life. We're able to be channels for God's power. So this last plague. Going back to Exodus, the last plague is the Passover story, and points to the upper story of God's redemption plan being unfolded for us. God gives instruction for the Passover, Exodus twelve verse one. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, "This month is is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year." Interesting. Here he said, "This Passover, we're going to start everything over." Hey. Get a new calendar. We're starting over. What is God talking about? He's talking about a brand new life. We're starting over. Brand new. There was a promise that God was given to the Israelites. You're starting over. Brand new. A brand new life. And it's a picture of what we have in Christ when we accept Him as Lord that we're new creations. A new birth. A new life. A new calendar. How many did New New Year's resolutions? Good. Not many of us, but a few. And you'll see why I said that. (laughs) But where did that come from? It came from the Babylonians 4,000 years ago. Because they would make New Year's resolutions to their God's in order to gain favor with them. But if they did not keep their resolution. They were punished by their God. Now in America it says that 50% of Americans do New Year's resolutions. 8% keep it. And I think half of the 8 are not telling the truth. But. But see, in a sense, you know, many Christians think, well, if I do right, I'll have the favor of God. But the truth is, God has already blessed us. We are favored of God. We just have to know what we have. We have to believe it. But this is speaking of this, this brand new life. God is faithful to us even when we're not faithful to him. We still have his favor. He's faithful to us when we're not faithful to him. God keeps his promises. And we decide if we're going to believe his promises or not. Paul put it this way. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. There's a promise of a new life. He promised to give us. It's not anything that we do to get it. It's just believing. Just receiving. You can't, you can't earn this. It's not a resolution. It's desperation that you see that you need a rescue. You need a release. You need to be set free to a whole new life in Christ. In verse 3, it says, Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. here we see corporate identity. That God is, is molding them into a, a corporate unit. Identity. And, and you know he did this. He had the 12 tribes bringing them together as a community. The new covenant today. The Church of the Harvest is part of the community of faith, part of the body of Christ. So we have a corporate identity. It's very costly for Jesus to give us this new identity. And I just want to touch for just a second on men it's that said each man would take a lamb for his household. So men, you're the spiritual leader. It doesn't mean that you know as much of the Bible as she does. I've seen that so many times that maybe the man's intimidated because his wife knows so much. It says what it means, you're to take her by the hand and seek the Lord. And and walk together in the same and present her to the Lord blameless and holy to him. It's intentional. It means coming to church. It means taking the initiative in spiritual things. Praying some together. Hallelujah. In verse 4, If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor having taken into account the number of people there are. God's always a good steward. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be a year old, males without defect. You must take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month. And when all the people of the community of Israel, uh, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. So we see here a young male, healthy, without defect. They were to watch him for four days. Interesting, Jesus went in uh, Jerusalem four days before Passover. There was an inspection. It had to be a uh, a male, had to be healthy and, and perfect, without defect. That's what this Passover uh, was about. And, of course, we know that none of us are perfect. But you get the picture. We had a perfect one who took our place. He was perfect for us. Verse 7. Then they are to take some of the blood, put on the sides, on tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. So here we see the power of the blood. We sang, sang about this morning. The door frames were a connection to the dwelling place. It was a sign of faith of what was on the inside of the house. The blood. Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. We're to let our light shine. We're to be a sign of faith on the inside, that he dwells inside of us. Doesn't mean that we're perfect. No one's perfect but him. And we're not self righteous, pretending to be perfect, but we serve the perfect one. Sometimes a, a good deed could just be in coming up and saying, Forgive me, I was wrong. Repenting. Could be a good deed, could be a sign that there's something different about you, but our light is to shine. Verse 8 that same night, they are to eat his meal roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat, eat it in haste, says the Lord's Passover. So they were to eat this meal. They were to do it in haste. They were to have their sandals on. It's not their custom. Be fully ready ready to go. Now, were the Israelites ready to go? Think about... They had been there for years now. They had built their homes. Their their grandparents had had built homes and lived there. They had investment there. They had friends there. They had all these things. I mean, what was at stake for them was everything. They're leaving everything that they knew behind. You see the cost here. And see, see, Jesus said, whoever of you does not forsake all, he cannot be my disciple. What does Jesus want? Everything that you are and everything that you have. He wants you. And that's what Israel, what they were facing. Promise a new life, but you're going to have to leave the behind the past. The old life. You're going to have to move on to a new one. And John 10.10 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. Got a couple other uh, translations. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. It's a promise of God. And sometimes you just have to say, Lord, this is a promise. It doesn't seem too abundant right now. I'm standing on the promises of God. <laughs> Abundant life, satisfied life, better life than I've ever dreamed of. You got call for the, the promises of God. But they had a choice to make. The 10-10 life or that which seemed comfortable, that which they were uh, content with, that they could stay, you know, Friends. We can make it through. I know it's tough at work, but we can stay here. I just don't want to go through moving. I don't want to go through. We're going where? The rumor is we're going to the desert. No, 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 no. Yeah, you know, I, 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 this is getting better all the time here. But see, that, that ordinary life, that life... We think that it's safe. It's not safe because there's a thief and he's already stealing if you're not experiencing abundant life. But the 10 10 life is available for us. It's a promise of God. It's not just some kind of make believe, it is actually a promise of God for us that believe. Verse twelve, on that same night I will pass through Egypt, strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destruction, destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Interesting in the land of Goshen. I didn't mention it. The plagues didn't touch touch them. The Hebrews were fine. It was just touching the Egyptians. But we see here that there was a a judgment coming suddenly, finally. Now there is a judgment day when everything that is wrong will be made right. But the blood on the door frames at the top on the sides formed a cross. And when God looked down and he saw that, He saw the substitute. He saw the true Passover, which is Jesus Christ. See, all this was a picture, a shadow of an actual event that would take place in the life of Jesus. And it's being played out before them in this picture, this shadow, this symbol. All this was a symbol of an event that was coming. The covenant was not going to be made with the blood of animals, but the sinless blood of Jesus. And what happened when God looks down? God's justice is satisfied. Love doesn't win over judgment. Love satisfies judgment. That's shouting ground there, if you get that. God is a just God, but love satisfied judgment judgment and therefore he passes over my life with judgment. It passes over us. Hallelujah. I'm a lot more excited than you are. So how does God destroy sin in us without destroying us? He says substitute. Who took our sins, our guilt, our iniquities, paid the price for us and full; that justice was satisfied. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Christ our Passover Lamb has been sacrificed for us. Jesus is our high priest. You have a personal representative at the right hand of God. It's Jesus Christ, the Passover Lamb the Lamb of Glory, the right hand of the Father. You see in your notes here, it's, it says God's calling and purpose for our lives is not based upon our strengths or weaknesses, but upon the strength and mind of God. If the shadow, the picture of redemption in this Passover could deliver Israel from Egypt, how much more can the real Passover, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, set you free? I mean, they left full of gold and silver, and none of them were sick. And this was off the shadow, off the picture of that which was coming. God's ultimate goal in Christ was for us to experience his love, life, and acceptance so we can have a personal, intimate relationship with him. God took our place. Jesus took our place. So he received what we were and what we were deserved what we deserved Jesus took that should keep us praising and worshiping for eternity right there while we receive what he is and what his life deserves he his life deserves heaven to be with God the Father we get what he deserves we get eternity With God. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. If today. You've never made this decision. It's really a decision. That you make in your life. That I choose to believe. That Jesus. Did die for me. That he took my sins. He took my guilt. He took my shame. He took the curse. He took the judgment, the wrath of God in my place. And I want to be, I want that new life. I want a new beginning. And I will separate from this world and follow you, Lord, as you strengthen me that's you this morning, no one looking around, just slip your hand up. We're going to pray together. And same online. If you're watching, you never made Jesus your Lord and Savior and said, I'm going to follow you, Lord, all the days of my life. That decision will give you, you step into a different new life, the John ten ten life, abundant life. Let's pray together for those that are accepting the Lord this morning. Say, Dear God, thank you for loving me unconditionally. Even when I've been against you, didn't want anything to do with you, you love me. I recognize my need for Jesus. And I receive Jesus as my Lord and my savior, my Passover lamb. I partake of John 10:10 10, 10 life. I thank you for loving me and saving me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for resurrection life in the mighty name of Jesus, I give you the glory and all the honor. Holy Spirit, strengthen me to live this life. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, Please check out our website at MidSouthHarvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662 890 1573 or toll free at 866 383 8277.